got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nook is spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Sandos and the sidekick with you this Monday edition, and it is a busy, actually it's not a busy, it's a busy recap. It will not be a busy week. ETSU women's basketball will play the uh, early morning hours, or is it, uh, no, is it early? It's morning. Morning at the central time. Morning. But it's uh, not central time. Right. Morning for central time for those folks, those kids, Education Day, Troy. It will be afternoon for us on the broadcast here uh, in the Tri-Cities, but we'll be able to broadcast that for you. And then a little bit of lull as both teams will play on Sunday. It is finals week. The men's team will host Milligan. Women on the road again at Georgia Tech. And so uh, this is kind of that week where you hit where, you know, it is student athletes. They are students. They are trying to finish up their finals. So not a lot of action going on this week as far as on the court. Then it picks back up the following week after that with both teams in action quite a bit. But today's show, we're going to recap men's basketball. We're going to recap women's basketball. We're going to talk a little pros versus Jays. We're also going to do bold predictions in which I'm kicking myself because I found my notes in which I had wrote down Oregon and then talked myself into Louisiana Lafayette. And as soon as I made that prediction, we got off the air Friday. I go back to my office. I click on a game preview and saw where Louisiana Lafayette's like 0-9 versus App State. And I'm just oh. going, oh, what a horrific pick. And doubly bad for what you because then pick. right after you don't pick Oregon, I hey, do yeah. pick Oregon. And and the funny thing is, is uh, you know, it, and I dialed in from Fargo. And as soon as I got off the air, Ken Brown looks at me and goes, didn't you say you liked Oregon and you went with Lafayette? That's well, that's the story of my life. I just uh, and then of course the Tennessee Titans. We're not the Tennessee Titans. I don't know. We'll talk about that later. I'm so mad about that too. At least I, I'm mad. What am I not mad about? The Steelers. Other than that, go. At least you didn't make the worst bold prediction all year. I think by taking Virginia over Clemson. But you know my heart was in that. I didn't honestly think it was going to happen. I just had to do it. No, no, no. I wanted Clemson out of the playoff. Heart is taking four touchdown passes with Tom Brady. That's your <laughs> That's heart. That's what's good. All right, let's go. Saint side kick. Let's talk a little ETSU basketball. Uh, uh, the men's game, oof, that was um, very interesting. Uh, Didn't expect that, to be quite honest. No, I think it was a little bit of twofold. One, there was a lot of effort put into North Dakota State, just talking to their folks, reading the newspaper articles, being in that town, a lot of talk about how bad they've gotten off to start games. And they had to be better, and they had to have more energy, and they had to come up to whatever. And they immediately come out and punch the Bucks right in the face. Fourteen to two. Wasn't Fourteen it? to foul trouble galore. Everything that could go. Now the Bucks able to get a nice little twelve point run, tied it at fourteen, and then that was it. Really, they North Dakota State really took the lead, and they did a nice job the rest of the game, kind of keeping an, a good arm's length of somewhere between six to ten points 
for a majority of the second half. It got to three once. It got up to 12-13. Eventually ballooned to 19 before the Bucks got down 10, had a shot to cut it to seven on a Davian Williamson three that did not go down. But just a, a couple things that, that stood out. The turnovers early, six turnovers led to the first 14 points for North Dakota State. I don't know that I've seen that, and that's including – ETSU men's and women's basketball, who have been very good over my tenure here of getting points off turnovers, being not just having a team only score off turnovers, but be that efficient with six turnovers, 14 points. They had 21 points off turnovers while ETSU just had 20 points. And at the time, I think the Bucks were down 29-20. So a lot of things there. Of course, the free throw disparity, not good. Um, you just can't let the a team hit 26 more. of 30 is pretty crazy uh, for NDSU. Not just tw- just 26 of 30, but just, you know, they hit 26. I think ETSU only attempted 17. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you, you're sitting there looking. They're, they're plus nine more makes before you take. And so you look at all the numbers, and I thought the individual effort uh, by Tyson Ward, just he was – I don't that day I think he was the best player on the floor, and you can take out numbers and everything else. Just watching him and the effort – on both ends of the floor, keeping balls alive, defensive and offensive rebounding, doing a lot of little things. He had the most energy of anybody on the floor. I think I said basically it came down to want to, and he wanted it more than anybody else that day. I, he he was the difference maker. Yeah, you know, If you had to go one, two, three for me, his play was number one reason why ETSU didn't win. Number two, I think the, the turnovers and allowing the points off turnovers and then three free throw shooting. That was the one, two, three sort of what went wrong for ETSU on that day. For me, I think it was the fact that NDSU, and we talked about this Friday, finally kind of snapped out of that season-long offensive lull that they were in. Um, they were shooting 5% below from the floor what they were the previous year, like 6% less from three and 5% less from the free throw line too, but they come out and shoot 46% from the field, 39% from three, which is much more NDSU-like than what they were shooting going into the game, which was like 30%. They lofted a lot, and a lot of them went down, and then they also, from the line as we talked about, well, they were shooting like, I think it was, what, 60-something percent coming in? Uh, I'm sorry, 73% coming in, uh, but still, down from last year, they were much more like their 2018-19 selves than they were the rest of the year, honestly. So they finally found their groove. You know, shot 46%, 38%, 86% if you look along the slash line, and I agree with you wholeheartedly about the turnovers and converting on those turnovers for NDSU. I'm not sure I've ever seen 15 turnovers turned into 26 points. And you talked about early on the success that NDSU was able to have. That really didn't stop throughout the entire day. And ETSU has gotten a bit unlucky. Also a point we made on Friday with guys coming back in time to face the Bucs. And you always plan for a team being at full strength, right? You, you want to see a team at full strength to really test your team, especially in the non-conference. But Hayden Brown was out for Citadel, then came back against the Bucs, dropped 15. Now he did get re-injured in that game, so he didn't play the full game. But then Rocky Cruiser, who was out for about two weeks, came back the game before NDSU played the Bucks, and Cruiser had just a tremendously offensive and efficient night. 17 points, 7 rebounds, 7 of 9 from the field. I thought he was really excellent in that contest. So, yeah, didn't expect ETSU to get punched in the mouth like that, and once they did, while they battled back, like you said, there weren't a lot of other chances the rest of the evening to really make this a competitive contest. I did think in the second half there was that key stretch where after going in down eight and eventually falling behind by 
11. The Bucks made that push. It was then 40 to 30 with 17:30 to go. Hodges with the layup. Davian Williamson a three. Trey Boyd. How about living above the rim? I mean, I haven't seen that from Trey uh, a lot, if ever, while he's been here at ETSU. But he had a mid-range jumper, a three, and that dunk within the first like five minutes of the second half. And I was like, okay, game on. But every time ETSU mounted a charge, NDSU had an answer. And and that was really the impressive part. They sort of the Bison did what ETSU does to teams a lot, and that, that's really you know kind of run away and hide. And every time you start to get back in it, just stretch that's it right point. back out. Yeah. And, you know ETSU really lacked in the starting category. Besides Bo Hodges, the other four starters have eight points, shot three for eleven, had nine rebounds, four assists, seven turnovers. 11 fouls. Wow. I mean, just a struggle all the way around for those guys. And Steve Forbes did talk about foul trouble postgame. Punt played two minutes in the first half. You know, he's down. Dromey's got two. Luke's got two. Bo had two. We had four guys with two fouls. And at the end of the game, when we finally, you know, got something going, played a little bit harder, we just put five guards on the court. You know, I took all the bigs out. Bo and Bonnie out there playing a four and a five. And we played a lot harder and caused a lot of problems. But, I mean, that's not how we're going to win it championships that way we got to fix these problems that we're having defensively I think foul trouble and we'll get to more on the defensive side here in a second but I think foul trouble is especially damaging for this ETSU team that really I think ideally and you can correct me if I'm wrong but I think they'd like to be a nine-man rotation Octavian Corley maybe being that 10th but Corley's going to play probably what seven to ten minutes a game usually uh, if that some days so I think they'd like to be a nine-man rotation with Hodges Good, Rodriguez, Tisdale, Goussaint, Boyd, Williamson, Hughley, and Patterson. I think that's their nine. And so when you do have foul trouble extensively up and down those nine, that really puts you in a tough spot, especially against a team like ETSU. Different combinations too, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's just, you know, you can say what you want to about, wow, you know, you ought to be able just to plug and play. But sometimes there is a little bit of continuity with guys that are used to being on the floor with one another. And I I think they got in some odd combinations. And uh, it, it showed a lot. And I think Coach Forbes maybe just said it, I don't know if he said it after the Citadel game on air, if he just kind of said it to me after that. But he made a comment about, you know, when we've played so many games in a row, we have to spend so much time working on the other team that we have not had a a lot of time to work on ourselves. Practice time. And he had said after this week it it was going to be a much-needed break. This was before the game. You know, it's going to be a much-needed break because we're going to get a lull before we play Milligan. And then, you know, I don't know how much we'll work on what Milligan does as opposed to just spend that whole time on working on things that we haven't been able to work on right. to do over and over and over again where we get more time in the league where you know that it's Wednesday, Saturday, so you have set days where we can work on the opposing team, set days we can work on our stuff. There were just so many games in a row that, uh, you know, over the last two weeks that it was just hard to do that, and he felt like that's why the team had lost a lot of its principles. So he was looking forward to get back to that. And then, of course, it shows – in the North Dakota State game, and he gave credit North Dakota State. Yeah. And I don't know if, if, if we have that bite or not, but I thought it was interesting. He said, you know, I told the guys, you don't think they saw what Citadel did to us? And they ran a lot of the similar plays. It's like, guys, they watch tape. They know what you didn't do well. They ran some of the sets that Citadel did because we weren't able to guard it, and we weren't able to guard it again today. Yeah, and he said that they exposed areas ETSU – is not proficient right now and he I think was a little dismayed because he knows teams that are coming up are going to do that as well specifically LSU which we'll talk about in a second here's some areas in which Forbes thinks that the Bucs need to improve before that LSU game we're really struggling guarding the ball it's everybody we don't have a defensive stopper uh, on our team at the moment we struggle to guard the ball 
And then when we, every time we play a five-man that can play out on the perimeter, it gives us a ton of problems. That's what happened tonight. So we had three stars who didn't even do anything. And so when you have that combination of guys that can drive it and a five that can get out on the perimeter and shoot threes or drive it, it, it gives us a lot of problems. And either we fix it or teams are going to continue to expose us in that. And that's what I told them afterwards is people watch tape. People see those things. They put it in. They run those things because we're struggling to guard, and until we do, they'll keep doing it. And he's right because I, I can point to a couple of plays that I know looked ex- similar, if not the exact same play that the Citadel had ran. A couple of those mm. were slipping the big man through and because ETSU was switching up top because they weren't afraid to put you know Rodriguez on a point guard, whether it's Shahid or um, whoever it was at Citadel that, that would have the ball at that point. Of course, everybody's like a point guard for Citadel, but either way, they were able to switch that, so – Citadel started slipping guys through. Same thing. North Dakota State first couple of times slipped guys through, and all of a sudden, Rocky Cruiser had a couple slam dunks or or easy layups. And you know, it, 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 I thought it was a great great point and a good job of, of kind of being self aware of his team. And I think Coach Forbes is is that. And I know, you know, a couple people blow me up over officiating stuff, and Coach Forbes addressed that a little bit and said, you know, at some point you have to make adjustment how the game is being called. Yeah. You know, especially when you're playing intersectional games and, and you're away from a region where you're used to a bunch of the officials where you see a lot. I mean, it was a Big Ten official, a couple of Big Sky officials, and just, you know, uh, I think it was a Big Sky, a Summit. No, there are two Big Skies and a Big Ten, which is funny because they play um, in the Summit League. They didn't even have any of their, their normal officials, but their TV play-by-play guy walked down and said, I would apologize for the Big Sky officials. You know, we try not to bring them in, but sometimes in these games they – there's an agreement where you don't use league of fit. And I'm like, I, it doesn't, I mean, uh, there were some, were there some calls that, that everyone was baffled by? Sure. Did it mean that ETSU lost the game because of strictly officiating? I don't, I don't think so. No. I, honestly, I don't. I th- the, the only, there was a couple baffling calls. One, how ETSU lost the jump ball. I still will never figure out to this day how in the world ETSU lost the jump ball. But e- either way. The e- flopping technical to uh, me, that's when I looked at, my listening device, I suppose, here in studio, and I was watching on the TV as well. I looked at all of them simultaneously and was just like, that's it. I mean, when you start to see things happen that you've never seen happen going against you, I had never seen a technical for flopping. I didn't know that you could get a technical for flopping. I thought that was an NBA thing. I don't know how no, recent a, that is, rule. It, this year. It is this rule. Okay. And, and, and you get you get a, a warning, right? You get the warning. And that threw me off, and they called the warning. So they called the warning. I think you had to get in my ear and tell me because I had no idea what I heard it over on. PA, yeah. And I, and I was like, well, what did they call? And so they called the... Uh, a warning. So not only the warning, then the actual technical. I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, and it is. I do like the fact that it is not a personal or a team foul. It is just a violation technical, and so I, I do like that part of it. It was just in, just everything, and I, you know, at one point, Coach Forbes just sat down, and I, you know, he asked which for me, him is just like being resigned, right? I mean, right. That's, and, and and he said I was talking to the one guy, and he just laughed at me, and he said I, I'm trying to get, you know. W- trying to get an explanation and the guy's just chuckling and laughing and like okay and just walks off he said i'm used to at least some sort of banner or or something he said at that point in time he's like what am i supposed to do and i'm like well you're in this situation last year against Wofford and you got ran he goes well i didn't want to do that again i said well then you made the right call let me all you can do is sit there and and uh coach figure it out and you know in that game at Wofford, it was similar but when out of 30 some games there's going to be a game or two where you you just don't get the whistles, and Coach Forbes said you got to be better than that, and you've got to make adjustments. And doing this long time, it's it's the truth. There are times 
where things don't go your way, and I've seen ETSU teams overcome that where calls, especially on the road, uh, and even in your own league. Sometimes in those games, you're like, well, okay, you either you play the big boys and that happens, or or you play a high-level game versus a mid-major. And I remember Sam Houston State a few years ago. I'm sorry, Stephen F. Austin. And they thought they got hosed in, in Freedom Hall. And ETSU, you know, right, wrong, and different, I, th- I think got a couple of good whistles. They were able to win that, and Stephen F. Austin rattled off you know, 25 games in a row. So maybe there's an omen there. I don't know. Mike Krzyzewski thinks that Duke got hosed by Stephen F. Austin because he was sick anyway. Well, obviously they're going to press the living, you know, what out of us. I mean, that's what they do uh, with elite players. But we got can't look past Milligan because, as you know, you flew back from me from the Dakotas one time to one in three games, and we almost got beat by Lee's McCray. We probably need a break. Uh, I'm sure you're tired. I know I am a little bit from the travel. I'm sure they are. We have finals. Unfortunately, they have to get up at 3.45 this morning and, and get on that plane at 5.45 and head back. And, you know, we got Monday and Tuesday off. Wednesday we'll do individuals. Thursday, Friday, Saturday we'll practice. And uh, Sunday we'll play. And we probably need some practice time. How was that flight? They're back. <laughs> well, he was talking about the one back. 3.45, 5.45 departure. You look like you still have a little glazed-over um, look in your eyes. I'm, I'm hurting. I'm, uh, man, I'm hurting. That, the... The only thing I liked about the flights, when we landed in O'Hare uh, in Chicago, as soon as we got off, we were in Terminal H. And it said our next flight was, I don't know, we landed at like H2 and it was H14. As soon as we walked H14, not taking any stops, they were boarding our next flight. Wow. So I'd kind of napped on the flight to O'Hare, got off a plane, immediately got back on, got back in my seat and was asleep before we took off again. So that was great. I mean, not not much time there. And then when we got to Charlotte, I was dying of hunger. And so we had a two-hour labor, which was good, too, because then I was able to stop, get something to eat. And then by the time we got done eating and, and kind of hanging out and stretching our legs, it was time to board. And all of our flights left a little early. All of them got there early. So that was amazing. Uh, we got back almost an hour earlier what we thought we were going to get back. So that part was good. But anytime you catch three flights and five hours of air time, I think you're you're pretty ready uh, just to take a day or two off. And, of course, had the flight from, uh, what was it, Charleston straight to O'Hare and then O'Hare to Fargo. So we've had some flights. We've got uh, one more to go with uh, Baton Rouge coming up in uh, LSU. But I think Coach made a great point, and I was going to ask him about that, so I'm glad he did because – and I didn't remember the specifics that it was South Dakota, but I remember the Bucks had come off a big win, and that being three wins, and then struggling against Lee's McRae, I think – it was a four or five. It was a two-point game late, and then they were able to pick up four or five points uh, uh, victory there, and just just happy to escape and move on. And so you're right. You know, even though they will have all their attention towards LSU a lot, you still have to show up and play. Right? Still not to a point where you can walk in and beat anybody by fifty. Well, on that team that ETSU played in the 2016-17 season, it was December first. Lee's McRae was one in six after that game, and it was still an 85 to 80 game. And Laprice Lynch had. 25 points you never know well you never know who's gonna play hero ball for an underdog that thinks they should be at a division one a mid-major high major whatever and they come out and say this is my chance and they just play out of their mind and lynch did that and thankfully it was a five-point victory but it's a good point coming back from the dakotas you then have the sanford pentagon home game quote unquote as it was determined i guess to be called or as actually part of the term i always think those are weird much like the maui invitational mainland but whatever uh so it is. The circumstances are very similar, uh, and ETSU certainly can't look past Milligan. But maybe we'll talk about that on Friday. 
We'll talk about it on Friday for sure. We'll step aside for a timeout. We'll talk a little ETSU women's basketball. Right after this timeout, your word from Santa Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Sandos and a sidekick back with you as ETSU women's basketball at home yesterday against Cleveland State, the Vikings, and uh, the men's team will actually be here at some point in time. But the first trip for the women's team might be the first trip for the men's team as well. And, uh, well, you were there. You got the call. I'll let you lead off, and I'll bet uh, second on this one. Well, it's not a league that ETSU is very familiar with, just the third team out of the Horizon League in terms of current members that ETSU has played, and I think it's like eight total matchups in the Bucks' history against the Horizon League against current members, now nine, and they were one in seven in those previous eight. And Cleveland State, there were some questions coming in, I think mainly posed for me, about is this team a product of its schedule, which had a lot of cream puffs on it, to be quite honest. Uh, there were non-D1s. There were also teams that were projected bottom four in their league, and all of the teams that they played fit that criteria either 91 or bottom four projection coming into the year in the league that they're in but they also played a lot of games on the road they were used to that and ETSU's crowd was really solid yesterday they've been really good the last couple of games and Brooks Jim was uh, rocking they wanted something to cheer about and ETSU early on was right there with Cleveland State it was kind of a game of runs in the first quarter and then Cleveland State goes into the half up three but ETSU gets a momentum changing bucket from Elise Stafford at the end of the third quarter or so we thought tied the game at 43 after it was a bit of a war of attrition in that third quarter 43-43 going to the fourth and that's when Cleveland State kind of did what ETSU did to Wake Forest Uh, it was inversed a little bit much like what NDSU did to ETSU which ETSU usually does to other teams this year we saw the inverse for both our Buccaneer basketball teams this weekend NDSU did that to the Bucks on the men's side and Cleveland State did ETSU on the women's side what they did to Wake Forest they just had a big fourth quarter and stymied ETSU offensively it was an eight nothing run over the first 4-11 of that fourth quarter and by the time ETSU started to score um, the Viking defense is just too good to fall behind like that with so little time left and that was what I was impressed with they came in averaging giving up 54 points per game that's exactly what they gave up they came in leading the Horizon League in blocks and steals and they're just a team that isn't probably going to play beautiful basketball and run a lot of awesome sets and get a lot of victories based off of outscoring you it's going to be can they stop you and they did Uh, Micah Sheets had a good day 18 points Tiana Kimbrough another solid day with 10 but outside of that um, the rest of the starters outside of Sheets shot four for 23 from the floor Um, so that's always going to be difficult to overcome happy for Sierra Purdue to get her first field goal but there weren't a lot of bright spots offensively ETSU shoots 33 percent and I I think a lot of that is Cleveland State's defense it's very good now eight and one on the year and they've got the nation's fifth leading scorer she was as advertised Mariah Miller 
Dropped 22 points, grabbed eight rebounds. Mariah White did a lot of the ball handling. She averages 16 a game. That's what she scored. So Cleveland State, I think, did what you expected them to do. It was going to be, is ETSU in that right mindset? Can they follow up that big win over Wake Forest, their first over a Power 5 in over 11 years, and come out with that same intensity, aggressiveness, uh, attacking mentality that they did against the Demon Deacons? And unfortunately, uh, Cleveland State frustrated them a bit. Well, and I, I go back to... You said some things eerily similar to the men's team. Well, look at the starters again. You had one person scoring double figures. The rest go a combined four of twenty three. Four of twenty three, and I think that's a that's an issue. I mean, especially when you get uh, one for eight from two ladies. Uh, I think that's just something that they've got to be able to correct. And I think this team can win games just like they did against Wake Forest. I've, I've harped on that before the Wake Forest game. I'm going to harp on it afterwards. They, they don't have to have herculean efforts they just have to have people do their norms right do what you normally can do and don't try to be a hero and don't disappear right so it's both ends of the spectrum you don't have to be a hero if you have a career day great but you can't have a no-show and and i think there were too many of those at the same time and and you just look at it and you go just doing some simple math you're going okay well if one of them had a normal game you're looking at either a tie ball game or, or maybe even having a lead. And so I think it for the women's team, I, I think it's it's going to be kind of simple as that. I think if they can have people just have a normal outing and everybody at the same time, I, I think it's almost like, um, and, and maybe we'll talk about later uh, my, my trip to North Dakota State watching football, but it was almost like watching Nickel State where it's like, if all 11 guys did their job, Nickel State was having great success. It just took one guy not to do their job, and North Dakota State would blow up a play. I mean, that's all it took was one guy not to do his job. And I feel like for women's basketball, it just takes one lady not to do her job, and and it's going to be a a long day. The margin for error is very slim yeah, without and, Erica Haynes over to And again, but they just have to. Everybody just kind of has to to know their role and and produce at that role. I, I think that's it. I'm going to ask Coach uh, tonight on the coaches show about that. I, I just feel like that's it. I, I, again, I, I think. You know, you just don't have to have anybody go crazy. But shots, and again, we were in the air, weren't able to do whatever. Were there a lot of open looks? Were they all contested? I mean, was it shots they normally hit, just didn't go? Well, Cleveland State basically played 2-3 the entire game. The entire game. And so the Bucks did get some open looks from outside. And whenever you're in a 2-3 and playing zone, the idea for the opponent is they're going to have to shoot you out of the zone, right? And so ETSU just wasn't able to do that. And I think in their defense, a lot of players are doing things that they've never done on the floor. Like Lee Stafford really wasn't on the floor a lot last year. Same with Shania Jackson. And you go down the list, Ariel Harvey coming off having a baby, and Tiana Kimbrough first year at D1. Gabby Brown, you know, struggled offensively early on, hit a three last game, but, um, you know, isn't someone you're going to be able to rely on offensively. Sierra Purdue's more of a defensive stopper. Really, everyone, if you look down the nine healthy bodies that ETSU has, uh, all of them you can qualify their performances by saying, okay, Elise Stafford was four straight games and double figures. Well, that's probably playing a bit above her means right now. She's got that capability. Not saying she doesn't, and she's got a beautiful-looking shot, and, and she's got a little bit of everything offensively, but... Can you count on someone that just hasn't been on the floor that often 
to get you double figures and say five straight, right, instead of the four straight, because you're saying that if one person had a game that you're used to seeing, which at least after we are used to seeing her in double figures, but she went one for eight. I think it was probably about time that she came back down to earth a little bit, not to say, again, that in the future she can't be a consistent double-digit player, but it's a little early, I think, in her maturation since she hasn't been out there very often. Kaya Upton is very up and down offensively. We've seen that. Shania Jackson uh, wasn't on the floor that often, did run into a bit of foul trouble, and I think Tiana Kimbrough is a really big bright spot because she is becoming more and more consistent, but to your point, I just think that with the players needing to carry more, everyone having more on their shoulders with Erica Haynes Overton out, for a certain period of time, they're going to be able to make up the difference, but it's how long can that happen? And I think the win over Wake Forest was a monumental one. Unfortunately, when you do have another game three days after, Sunday afternoon, you know, you've got a long trip to Troy coming up, etc. I can make all the excuses in the world for the performance yesterday, but uh, you're probably looking at regressing to the mean a little bit with some players that just haven't played that much in their careers. Yeah, and I think the the big thing still on the defensive end, not being able to force turnovers is a direct correlation, right, to not have an Overton on the floor. I mean, just forcing eight turnovers. They, now, they did do a better job on the glass. I yeah. mean, that, that's something that has Season been a struggle seven, this yeah. year. Yeah, I mean, 46 boards. You mentioned a plus seven. I think there's a lot of uh, positives still within the, the team that you can take a look at. I mean, Mike has sheet seven rebounds, right? That's usually not. Tighter career high <laughs> so, for back-to-back games, yeah. Uh, you know, she's starting to figure out I've got to do a few extra things to help win, too. So I think they're getting better at a lot of the things that they want to do. Another six-assist game for Upton. She's doing what she should do. I, I think just knocking down shots more consistently. And it's really about it. I mean, I mean, in fairness, I mean, the free throws have come around, right? 71% in that contest. They've been able to knock down free throws at a better clip. They're starting to rebound better. Kyle Upton's starting to at least uh, look like a, a point guard and getting people shots and looks and assists. It just comes down to are they going to be able to score the basketball? And on the nights that they get some shots to drop and people are, are hitting their averages, at what they've been averaging, I feel like they're going to be able to pick up wins. And when they don't get to their averages, it's just going to be a tough day. And the 54 points, I think, proves that uh, in this contest. Uh, and it was FC. You know, they turn around Troy – um, good on the road, traditionally a good women's basketball team, and then you go Georgia Tech. My goodness, that's one of the better really ACC good this year. Yeah. So, so you take on a you know a, a, sort of the the back end ACC with Wake Forest able to pick up a win. Now you're going to step up uh, clearly uh, in weight class if I can use a boxing term. And I think that Coach Zell post game was very adamant about that point of you know shooting the ball well. Did that against Wake Forest, season high forty nine percent. But we come out, have a bad day, and do a couple other things well. You know, we've been able to do two or three things above average a lot of games, but we haven't been able to put together a complete game. And comes with youth, comes with experience, things of that sort. But regardless of that, that's where ETSU is right now. They're just not consistent enough. And so when you go into a stretch like the one that they have now ahead of them, this is going to be a tough couple games. Troy lost the Sunbelt title game by one point last year, and they're preseason number two in the Sunbelt. We know that's a pretty solid league women's basketball wise and then Georgia Tech they've already beat Georgia in Athens by 33 this year for their first win in program history at Georgia so when you do that by 33 for a first program win that's pretty eye-opening and they've uh their top five team in the country rebounding wise 
they're like plus 29 in scoring margin. It's something absurd like that. So it's going to be a tough stretch, no doubt. Would have been nice to get that win. Unfortunate to have the letdown after Wake Forest, but certainly will uh, enjoy the trip to Troy on Ugly Sweater Day and Education Day. Going to be a, a beautiful afternoon for some basketball. Still have to do some Ugly Sweater Christmas shopping. But I was going to say, do you have an Ugly Sweater? I don't. I've owned one in the past. I got rid of it when I came down here, just trying to save some room in the car when I packed it and drove down here from Minneapolis. But uh, I think if I find an ugly enough sweater, I think the Bucks have a good chance. That's what I'm correlating. I think I have a direct impact on this game with the ugliness of my sweater. Your thoughts? Uh, I think you could probably borrow one from Will Jim if you need it. <laughs> He's got a plethora, <laughs> a plethora of sweaters that I can so, choose I mean, from. If you, if you need one of those, I'm sure you get it. Hoping the boxing bounce back against Troy, but it is going to be a tough task. Yeah. All right. So that's a look at women's basketball. Come back, pros versus Jays. Everyone's excited. I have no idea what this is. Yo, no, you don't. I'm excited. All right. More of Sano's sidekick after this time out on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Life is all about perfect pairings. Sweet and salty, naughty and nice, hot and cold. Well, add instant and jackpot to the list because that's what you'll get when you add Quick Cash to your next Tennessee Cash play. Quick Cash is a simple way to turn one game into two. With Quick Cash, you'll have a chance to win up to $500 instantly right there at the register. Plus, you'll still have a chance to win the Tennessee Cash drawing later. Get the best of both worlds and get twice the fun. It's Quick Cash with Tennessee Cash, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Buckle up for Kobe Kobe Bryant just sucked the gravity out of the target center. What a play. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! In your life have you seen anything like that? In the deep left center from Mitchell. And we'll see you tomorrow. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. In a year that has been so the impossible has happened. Edmonds hit 42 home runs during the regular season. And we are going to Game 7 in the National League Championship Series. The band is out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. He's going to go the band. The Bears have won. The Bears have won. Versus Jays. I need a shower. All right, since I have no idea what this is about other than uh, Mike's going to make fun of me, I'll just... Um, he seems pretty excited about this. I should be worried. How'd you think you performed on Saturday? About like the team did, I would assume. You do an excellent job of conveying how the game's going by the quality of the broadcast, I think. And as backhanded of a compliment as that is, here's uh, example number one as we wound towards the tail end of the second half as the Bucs were attempting to come back. Five minutes to go. Bucks down 16. 60 to 50. Can I hear that one again? Five minutes to go. Bucks down 16. 60 to 50. That sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> now, not only were they down 16 or were they down 10, was it, I think it was 66 to 50. You just said 60 instead of 66. And, yeah, I mean, I was trying to go home too. You're trying to go home, too. Exactly. Uh, maybe a bit unprofessional, but we, we'll sure. move on to the uh, about a, a minute and a half later. 69-52, ETSU with a lead. Monumental comeback. I think I corrected immediately after that. 69-52, ETSU with a lead. I, mean, I immediately corrected that. I love you cut I, I, it out. You I, cut I, it I, out. I leave a little uh, bit of crowd in there. Hold on. 69-52, ETSU with a lead. 
Guy left it open there for you for you to I come and correct back. it. I came back. Uh, I thought specifically, though, uh, you were a little bit punch drunk late on in the ball game, um, and I'm just not sure if you were settled in very nicely to Fargo. You're really starting to enjoy your time in North Dakota, or if you were just completely bored with the ball game. Chill Center. Breaking out into song, Mr. So Chill Center. Chill Center. Firstly, I didn't know Coach Sanders made the trip <laughs> with you up to North Dakota, but that's oh, awesome did. that he was there. Uh, and I just he was scouting. He was scouting. See, that yeah. makes sense. He went to the NDSU game beforehand. But uh, cool that he was there. But I don't know. You know, I just think you got to see the game out until the end instead of singing along with Back on Road by Drake while the game's still going on. Well, I was near Canada. So when near Canada, do Canada things, right? That's true. The six, OVO, Toronto. Toronto's not necessarily close, but the Canadian border, yeah. No, all I, of Canada, I Toronto, has, all of Canada, Canada does have some pride to Drake, for sure. Drake. Uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know. You just you, you, A little bit all over the place. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure. It, uh, it was a tough week for you, I, I think, I, People traveling. have asked before, uh, or not asked, people have said, you know, I can kind of tell the game's going if I just tune in yes. by how you're doing. Yeah. And I try not to be – I try to be honest. So, like, there are times where – I see things happen, and I think, you know, okay, hey, you know, like like I said today, I mean, you, you could blame, and a lot of people were hammering the officiating stuff, but eventually, right, I mean, I, I'm not sitting there whining and crying, and, and the, as I've heard other broadcasters do, you know, okay, calls aren't going your way. you got to figure it out. It's not going to change, so you, you either do or don't, right? I mean, there's a lot of things I think I, I try to do, but clearly being, you know, this mama mater, watching him up as a kid, you know, without <laughs> – you can tell, I think, immediately if you tune in late in the game how the Bucks are doing. Are they winning? Is it close? Have I packed it in? <laughs> I was going to say, I think your mind just starts to wander, like, with the scores. Oh, just, like, you knew what the score and was. It, and it was – and it, honestly, it was – it was working by yourself is tough, too, because at least if you had a party, you could bounce some stuff off of. At some point in time, you're just like, I don't really know what else to talk about. Forbes is sitting down. He's – I don't want to say he's packed it in, but if he says another word, he's going to get ran. He don't want to get ran like he did last year. I can't say anything to the official. That clearly gets me out of the ball. I think so you you, you convey the feeling on the bench to the listeners. I think that that is something that is a top echelon skill of yours. It's 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 fair, and that's uh, I've, I really 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 wanted to uh, snap every pencil I had. <laughs> I was out of pencils at that point. That's a. Uh, and people don't know what that's a reference to. I, to. People have asked me, how do you stop cursing or getting really mad? And I used the negative energy to snap all the number two pencils I had, and I was out of those pretty quickly. How many do you think you've gone through in your career? Ooh, in your God, career. that's a good one. Over under the number of games that you've called, which is right around 1,010 now. I used to go through a lot more in my younger days. I was a lot more – and I'm still emotional, clearly. You just heard the call. <laughs> but I was, a, I was a lot more high-strung. I think in my early days where I would go through 40, 50 pencils easy. Now it might be a game. No. Okay. How many packs of pencils are you busting out here to snap? Yeah. I I would probably go through 40 or 50 pencils a season early. Um, I always take four with me. So if I've made it, if if I had more than four, some games, I probably would have a much higher number. But at some point, I just run out of pencils. 
I just need to hear this again. Shield Center. Were you just enjoying so your time in Fargo that much? Center. It's huge on the Shield Center. It is Shield nice. Center. I didn't know you could do this with your voice either. Fargo. 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 That's count. I've been doing this a while. Road. Look how excited you are. Sing along. Road. If you wasn't there for me when I was on the road. Then don't expect no love when, when you're an old fat guy. Well, interesting. Uh, you had a, uh, a tough broadcast. The Bucks had a tough Saturday, but I don't think it was as tough as the week that this man had. His dark skin color with a dark football with a dark uniform. You could not see that thing. I mean, you literally could not see when he was in and out of the match point, and you're a half step slow. Tim Ryan. Yeah, that, yeah. I don't know what. I don't know how you thought that was a good idea in general. You can think something. And you can even have people agree with you and know it's true. Richard but there are Sherman just some things you don't say. <laughs> Richard Sherman and D. Ford both agreed with them, and I can actually read from the exact quote that they gave. Richard Sherman said that there were valid points made by Tim Ryan, and D. Ford said that he's got Tim Ryan's back. And while there were apologies given by Tim Ryan about those comments after he realized that it probably was not the smartest thing to say, a lot of Niners players came to his defense, but regardless of if it's true, regardless of if you think it, there are just some things you, t- you keep to yourself. You and me being around sports for enough time now, you longer than myself, know that you just don't share all your opinions. No, and I- I'll say this. He has a couple. It's funny because sometimes you would say, well, maybe you could ask guys. And just think about this. He, hey, uh, Richard, I'm going to say this. Are you okay with that? And Richard's like, oh, yeah, say it. <laughs> he goes out there and still says it. Now, I don't think they had a conversation. I think he just went off the cuff. But I have talked to people like, you know, before I say anything, sometimes I go talk to guys. I'm like, well, okay, well, that's still bad if you're talking to guys on a team or similar thought process, right? Like, I would, it, I would almost call somebody I knew not associated with ETSU. Not that I would ever have a hot take that went that way. But if I did. I would say, all right, hey, look, I'm going to say this. What, what do you think? And I've said that before, and none of it had to do with anybody's skin tone or anything, but I've had somewhere I'm like, hey, if I said this about this team, how would you feel if you're other team? Like, like how, how is that going to make me? And and I've had people say, well, you're only talking to us. Yeah, but if it gets out there, I've said right. it. And so I have, and I would wish I could come up with an example real quick, to, to, and I can't, but I know I have called other broadcasters and, and things and said, hey, you know, if you say this, what's your gut feeling? You know, and they say, oh, okay, so, you know, again, none of it to that level, but uh, I have asked before, and I just think, you know, that would help. But Tim Ryan's former player, a defensive back, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Um, I think he played with the Cardinals and Niners and all that, but he, I think he was a DB. So I'm thinking he's kind of speaking for if he was in that situation, what would he do? And I think he was being a little honest about everything that, you know, that a defensive player would go through. And so, I, I think from that point, you know, he he kind of spoke on how how difficult it is. Defensive tackle, tackle. Well, even but still, still the defensive he, side of the ball. Even still, that that's a situation where he would be keyed off of. And I'm thinking he tried to put himself in a direct correlation. <laughs> if I was on the field and I saw that, this would be whatever. I still don't think he's saying it. And clearly, neither did the 49er organization. So he's the 49ers radio analyst, just in case you missed the actual story. And this was after the Niners got absolutely And he did say it housed. on the game broadcast, right? This was a couple this was days a radio later. Interview. So he had some time to think right. about it also. It's not an off-the-cuff take where, like you said, it may be an off-the-cuff take, quote-unquote, but he's had time to think about it. It's not during the game, what am I seeing? 
and I don't have any means or resources always, to run it by other people. He had time. Right. It's always a little more forgivable. Heat of the moment, dude. Right. right. Always a little more forgivable. Heat of the moment, but yeah, it's very. And of course, the Ravens came out and all all crushed it. The Niners defended. The Ravens have crushed. So, so that was after I think it was forty five to six. The Ravens beat the Niners, and he was trying to justify why the Niners struggled against Lamar Jackson. And basically, he's talking about reading off the option. And Lamar Jackson, the quarterback, probably MVP this year in the NFL, his skin tone being dark, the football kind of matching it, and that being tough at the quote unquote mesh point, which is where the ball is kind of in the belly of the running back, and either it's handed off or pulled up by Jackson, where he then either runs or throws. Yeah, and it was a it was a three point game, right? Twenty to seventeen. That was a tight tight game. Was it? Yeah, they won by a field goal. Did they really? Yeah. You threw me off with that one. I thought that was. Uh, Can you cut that out for one year? Yeah, it was a 2017 really? game. Yeah, they won. Uh, uh, Ravens kicked a, uh, not a last second, like a two minute left field goal. What was I thinking of? I have no idea. Uh, maybe the oh the Rams. I was thinking of the Rams game the week before, 45 to six. Yeah, Ravens won okay. by three. Yep, you're right. Yep, my fault. Uh, but anyway, regardless, that's what the context was, and still. So you're saying I'm better than Tim Ryan at least? I think that you did not say anything offensive to the point of being suspended. That's good. Which in that's, your career, that's I don't think you've life. ever done. You've never done that in your career. Right? You've never been suspended from being a broadcaster. No, no, I only had to suspend Stephen Lombarger for the for the suck it up. Uh, yeah, can I can I ago. can I find that? Uh, yeah, it should be the first Marion one. Marion Watson got it up. That's not the one. No, that's not it. Marion Watson. That's not it. You could try to do whatever. No, that's not it either. It's a couple bucks now. We pound. I'm not gonna be able to find it. Oh well. Okay. Yeah, but Tim Ryan, pal. Yeah, you're better than Tim Ryan. Hold on. All right. Good for me. And you're back on road. Let's just go throw that thing. Oh, no, that's not it either. Dang it. You're in the I'm wrong bank. Well, you are just. Oh my God. Are you even in the right bank? Chills. Can we just go to break list on this? I just love this. Yes. We'll go cold. Zone six. Oh, oh, oh. Chills. You love the Shields Center. And Fargo, 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 Fargo. 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 Back on road. Get my jewelry out to say, cause I'm back on road. Yeah. I still do these the same when I'm back on road. If you wasn't there for me when I was on the road. Don't expect no love. Just an old fat guy. What up, Randy? An inside look at Buccaneer basketball is back this winter with the ETSU Radio Coaches Show. Monday nights all season long, Steve Forbes and Brittany Azell join Voice of the Bucks Jay Sandoz live from Wild Wing Cafe at 71 Wilson Avenue in downtown Johnson City. It's a 6 o'clock start as Forbes and Azell field your questions, reflect on results, and preview upcoming action. The ETSU Radio Coaches Show, every Wednesday at 6, right here on WXSM AM 640, The Sports Monster. Everyone in the stadium, and of course the NFL world is aware that quarterback Andrew Luck decided to retire. Antonio Brown ditches practice again after another issue with his helmet. There is a code that has been broken here with Antonio Brown. He's just not a good human. But unless you've been living under a rock, you guys all know that the AAF is folded. Wide receiver Josh Gordon has been reinstated and is now eligible to return to New England. The great Bill Belichick keeps giving Gordon chances. Tennessee head coach Rick Barnes told reporters flat out, if UCLA had paid his buyout, he probably would be at UCLA now instead of at Tennessee. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine. 
All right. This is uh, another one of those great segments. Should we start with me? And I'll yeah, let's start with you. Oh, I just feel You're a genius. So I am the smartest man alive. So he is the smartest brilliant. man in the universe. So my theory on the Pac-12 was that they're just too terrible to get a team into the college football playoff, which led me to the conclusion that Oregon, because if they upset Utah, we're not going to get into the college football playoff, had to beat the Utes, and indeed, in convincing fashion, 37-15. to 15, And I am. I am the smartest man alive! Undoubtedly the smartest man alive, and even he perhaps... the smartest man in the universe. In the universe. Oregon, 37, Utah, 15. In your face, Sandos! Okay. No response? That's it? That's okay, you're just going to take that one. Uh, you said that Louisiana Lafayette would beat Appalachian State. Well documented that I regretted this. Uh, to be fair, close game. It, it After 21 nothing start, that App State uh, jumped out to. You gave up, didn't you? Lafayette actually made it a seven-point game and an onside kick chance to try to tie. But, yes, I already, had already tuned out by then. For my first terrible prediction of the week, because there's always multiple Clemson and Virginia. You stubborn, stupid, silly man. Stubborn's the right word on this I do one. like you double down, though. Yeah, stubborn's the right word, though. You know, Clemson was going to make the playoffs. Virginia's not good. Clemson's way better. They're the best team in the ACC. They're a top-four team in the country. All right, fine. I give up. Clemson did make the playoff. Oklahoma also in LSU and Ohio State rounded out in a 62-17 to win for Clemson. I was only 46 points off from being right on that. That's all right. Here we go to my... Uh... My other one was not good. I went with the Titans going to be the Titans, always be 8-8, eight and eight, and they throttled the uh, They could still Raiders. be 8-8, eight and, eight, and they could lose their last three and be incredibly and I did get Houston average. and New Orleans, right? Houston twice, New Orleans once. Houston so had good. a weird one yesterday against Denver. That was strange to lose at home to Denver, although Drew Locke apparently is the answer. The last place that John Elway looked, of course, because he, despite being a fantastic quarterback himself, cannot seem to figure out how to get a quarterback unless it's Peyton Manning, and that's any good. Uh, yes, you incorrect about, uh, you know, no, you're not Just when I think oh. you couldn't possibly be any dumber. Stubborn, stupid, silly man! And speaking of stubborn and stupid, the New England Patriots, as much as you may love them, and as great as Tom Brady has been, and the Patriots as well, you they didn't have that one touchdown be, pass taken away, but that wouldn't have. That would have made it two, I think, on the day that you had total, rather than the four that you I predicted. I needed half. I needed half of them. Yeah, you didn't get you didn't get half. You got a quarter. Yeah, the, the flea flicker early gave me false hope too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's true. That was what maybe two, three minutes first into the game. Of the game. Yeah, yeah, so first the that game. was looking promising, and then completely fell apart in drastic fashion. You probably could have gotten to four because the last drive as well. Tom was in the red zone, I believe, on that fourth down. Yeah, I, it got broken up. Edelman in the end zone. So yeah. that would have been a. I could have made it three, three. And, and then, then overtime, we got a fourth. Overtime, go, fourth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was well. right there. Yeah, none of those things happened. Yeah, I know. Uh, Steelers over Cardinals for me. And that's just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber. Yeah. 23 to 17. Steelers. 8-5, by the way. Oh. Still after 1 and 4, right? Oh. They were 1 and 4. They're now 8 and 5. Devlin Hodges might be the answer. Can you believe you're saying that about. The all-time leader in FCS it, passing. It just no. proves if you Some can Some was a product of the system. If you can still be in a winning organization. Do so you think it's the organization, not Hodges? Okay. Oh, yeah. the organization. I think you're probably right, too. Not to take anything away from the kid, because clearly he can put up numbers. Than my boy Rudolph. And that's right. Hodges is winning more than Rudolph. Yeah. The Maybe Reindeer. Yeah, well. Yeah, too. 
got a red nose because he's so embarrassed that he should not even be on a roster after Hodges has outplayed him. I think. That's why the nose is red. Yeah, anyway, we... I went one and three, or one, one, four, three. You went 0 for three. You're now three for 33. When are we back? Friday? Yeah, I think so. I'm feeling like crap. All right, Friday. Next podcast. Fucking here. Sports Network. See ya.